If you're looking for a sermon title today, that could be it. Christ, the meaning of the miracles. My hope for you today is twofold, although I don't think you'll find these to be the two points in the sermon. But I hope that at the end of the sermon today, you would be able to say these two things are the things that I have been encouraged about, that I see in the Word through our whole morning. One would be that you would not yourself miss the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That you would not miss forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And secondly, that when you speak about Jesus, when you tell others about the Lord, that you speak about the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We give you thanks and praise for being gracious and merciful through Jesus Christ. We are needy. I am needy. We need your word. We need your spirit. We need you to work in our hearts and in our minds to bring about conviction and repentance and encouragement And so many things that you know that we need this week for all of the toils that we are going through, the trials, the suffering, the temptation that we have been facing, that we are wrestling with even now, this hour, temptations that we will see this week, the sorrows that we bear, the expectations that don't come through. Father, we pray that your word would pierce through all of those things today and that we would leave here with an anchor. That we leave here with solid souls, hearts, firm, and filled with joy and peace because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because He has died for our sins, because He has risen from the grave. May that be so by our singing, by our prayer, and by the preaching of Your Word. We pray for Your glory and we pray for our joy in Christ's name. Amen. Well, have... Do you ever really miss the point of something? Do you ever really miss the point of anything? If you're married, I'm most certain that you've been in a conversation before where you missed the point of what you were talking about. Maybe you've been in a business meeting at your office. You went in, you saw the agenda, and you leave, and you realize, I have no idea what the point of that meeting was. Maybe you thought this could have been handled in an email. Maybe you come out of a movie, you thought the plot was one way, but as you talked with your friends or family and they remember the movie, you realize you may have watched two different movies. They saw something else entirely. My mother told me last week that she was reading my grandmother's Bible. She's, my grandmother's now passed, and my mom was reading her Bible, and she wrote many things in the back of her Bible. It was functioned like a journal for her to some respect, and there was days about her uh, son passing away from one. And right next to that page is an entry that I'll give you the short version of. September 3rd, 2008. My grandmother said, I think Sarah Palin will be elected vice president. You can laugh. It's, it's, it's funny. I believe she will be the first president in 2012. I think it will be a landslide like Reagan. 
September 3rd, 2008. No one wants to be the ignorant one. No one wants to be fooled. That's partly why when we have any political speech today, there's a fact-checking bar at the bottom, right? There are websites built for the sake of fact-checking so that we don't, we don't miss it. We don't miss the point or we're not deceived. Well, in Acts 3, 1 through 26, we see something incredible happen, something so wonderful it's hard to believe and it's, it's easy to miss the point of what's actually happening in 3, 1 through 26. Something is significantly important happening here, something between life, something matters so much as between life and death. This chapter starts with the healing of a lame man. We learn later he was 40 years old. He'd been laying there asking for alms for years, seemed to be known by most people around the temple in Jerusalem. But on this day, he gets something from Peter's mouth, words, the call, the command to get up and walk. I don't have any money for you, Peter says. I don't have any, have any change, which is funny because Peter did just collect most of the church's belongings in the previous chapter. I don't know if you, if you remember that. He must not be carrying anything today, or maybe the, the guy doesn't take you know, square or whatever. I don't have anything for you, but what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks, and he begins to dance, he begins to sing, and he begins to, to run around the temple to the awe of everyone who is watching. And here's what I want to ask today, what does that mean? What, what's the point? What, what does that mean that this man was healed at the temple? This is just one of unknown many miracles and signs we saw back in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Many signs, many wonders were being done through the apostles. This is just one. And it really takes up the attention of the narrative all the way from 4, 5, and 6. Three, or 3 through 5, excuse me. This one is highlighted, though, to teach us to show that some missed the point of the miracles. They missed the point up front. They didn't understand what the healing and the signs and the wonders coming through the apostles actually missed. They, they missed them. That's the record. Not just that the, the miracle happened. Many miracles were happened. But Luke writes extensively to show they missed the point. They missed the point. And don't we miss the point of the miracles in various ways today too? We do as well. We, we focus on the miracles. We miss Jesus too. You might hear some atheists talk this way. They, they rationalize the, the miracles down to the fact that if, if God can do this, He would have been doing this for everyone. This sounds like a fairy tale and it leads or is a fruit of disbelief. Another way we misunderstand the miracles is by the prosperity gospel. We believe that it happened and we think this is what Jesus came to do, to heal everyone now. And, and if you have enough faith and you sow some seeds through this link and this website, you can probably expect some healing too. The prosperity gospel exchanging the true meaning of the miracles for the prosperity of our own health and our bodies. Then I think just some regard this as myth. The stuff of physical regeneration, the idea that someone could actually be healed like this. Well, that's, that's really reserved for movies where trees grow arms. And there are supernatural powers that we marvel at. It's just fiction. It's just fiction. Are you aware of the capacity that mankind has 
to miss the point. Just think about the moment when Israel came out of Egypt. This is a quick summary of Exodus chapters 19 through 32. Israel, God's chosen people through Abraham, had been in slavery for 400 years. And then God sovereignly, by His own power, saved them, having defeated the Egyptians by many signs and wonders. And here's how God did it. First, He turned the water to blood. Then He covered Egypt entirely with frogs, and then gnats, and then flies. Then Egypt's livestock died. Then boils and sores began to cover all the bodies of the Egyptians. Next, hail began to fall from the sky. Then locusts came and ate up all of their crops. And then darkness came. And then the death of the firstborn came. All at the sovereign pronouncement of the Lord. Finally, after all of those plagues came through, finally Pharaoh let the slaves go. Let them go. And then, the big one. God leads His people at night by fire and during the day by cloud and he leads them right up to the Red Sea and they're stuck. The Egyptians all of a sudden decide, you know what, we really really could use those slaves. Those guys are really useful. Let's go back and get them. So they begin to pursue the Israelites up to the Red Sea. Now the Israelites are in front of the Red Sea with the Egyptians behind them. Now they're stuck. What does God do? He splits the Red Sea. All the Israelites walk across as on dry ground. Waters of wall to the right and to the left. And the Egyptians pursue them, thinking we will follow through the Red Sea, but the sea encloses on the Egyptians and drowns their army. And so they're saved. And on the other side of the Red Sea, they get lost out in the desert. Now, how are they going to eat? How are a million people going to drink water in the middle of the desert? God miraculously brings them water from a rock, and he brings them bread from heaven, even brings them quail to eat. Doesn't sound too bad. Then they bump into an enemy named the Amalekites, and the Amalekites attack them, but there's a passage where as long as Moses keeps his staff in the air, and Aaron and his friends keep his staff in the air in Moses' hands, they continue to be victorious over the Amalekites. They end up having victory. That's the short version of chapter 6 through 18. Then in Exodus 19 through 32, Moses receives and is going to convey the, the law, the two-tone tablets, and all the instruction about the priest in the tabernacle and their place of worship. There's no law like this law. This law is holy like God is holy. There are instructions about the gold and the Ark of the Covenant and the veal. And it is so ornate and so beautiful and rich. Their their place is going to be a place of worship that resembles heaven's throne itself, Hebrews tells us. The priests who used to wear slave rags are now going to be given garments of white endowed with precious jewels. When Moses comes down with the law on the other side of the Red Sea, having been saved by many signs and wonders, instructions for how they're going to worship the Creator, God of the universe, what does Moses find them doing? Exodus 32, 1-4, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, The meeting's just going a little long, Moses. The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up and out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. 
So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives. I mean, that's bold. Aaron started with, Get your wives' earrings from your sons, from your daughters, and bring it all to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said to the golden calf, they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Are you aware of man's capacity to just miss God? How could they miss Him? That the God of all creation, not God's, the one living God, saved them by His power and they worshipped a golden cow saying, this is our God. Well, isn't this just like the rest of mankind? Those who had Moses and the law, they missed God on their own. But Romans 1 says that those without Moses and those without the law, they miss God too. Romans 1, verse 19 through 27. Romans 1, 19 through 27 to the New Testament says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, even those who don't have the law, because God has shown it to them. For the invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So that they're without excuse. No one has an excuse to say, God has not revealed Himself to me. Not if you're in the world that He's created. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And when God left them to themselves, no law, no guidance, no enlightenment by His Spirit, where did it lead? Where did that go? Romans 1, 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the creature, the creature created things like golden calves, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. See how Paul says even homosexuality is an outworking of exchanging basic truths for lies. An exchange of the glory of God for the glory of man. And follow that to its end. You will begin exchanging natural relations for unnatural relations. Same-sex attraction and relationships are a reversal of God's good, obviously natural design. Might you consider for yourself or for others that you talk to, what if the problem is not that God has not revealed Himself so well, but that God has gone to great lengths to make Himself known 
through his people Israel, by his power, by saving them, by his word, through the prophets which we didn't even touch, by creation itself. And what happens is we really miss him. We miss it. We miss what ought to be so obvious. This bothers us when it happens to us. This is the reason we can get frustrated. Just imagine how you feel when notice, no one notices how you're doing at work. Or when your spouse doesn't notice how hard you're working in, in their home. Just this week, I fixed a hole in the roof. An entire hole. I replaced wood and shingles. All kinds of things. It only took me one YouTube video and one Home Depot trip. Then I found a problem with the dishwasher. I made it wash dishes again. Colette had been washing dishes in the sink and putting them in the drying rack. And I was so, so out of touch with life. I just wondered for days, why isn't the dishwasher ever closed? I fixed that, though. It's working now. And I fixed probably what might be the most appreciated in our family. I fixed the microwave door this week. I duct taped it shut. So that when you open it, the whole door opens together. I even made it look nice, I think. And after I fixed the microwave door, that masterpiece of duct tape, Colette came through and I said, I don't know if you've noticed, but I fixed a few things around here this week. She made sure to know to note that she, she did notice that and she went on with her life. We desire for our praise to be noted. We feel that it's wrong when we do so many wonderful things and no one notices what we've done. And just miss it. We do that all the time with other people. We neglect what people do in their workplaces. We neglect how great our friends are and how wonderful our spouses are. We neglect the beauty and the wonder and the goodness in our children. We miss things all the time. Now imagine creating an entire world with people who never even acknowledge you. That's what sin does. That's what sin is. Ignores God, discredits God altogether. And if we can do all that, if we can do that, if, if Israel can do that and Gentiles can do that and, and we can miss the simplest things, well, it's no wonder at all that anyone might miss Jesus Himself. God's Son who was sent down to the earth as a man. Luke is showing us that they missed Him. They missed Him. They missed Jesus. They missed the Christ. They, they missed the Messiah, the Anointed One. And Jesus, God Himself, actually came to the earth as a man. Himself being God. And they did worse than miss Him. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. After the man is healed, see how they respond. And how Peter explains what was their whole response to Jesus Himself. Chapter 3 verse 11, while he, that is the lame man who was healed, the lame man has been healed, he clung to Peter and John, and all the people utterly astounded. They're amazed by this. Yeah, We've known that guy. Let's just say it's Bob. Bob's been laying there for 40 years. They ran together to the apostles in the portico called Solomon's, 
And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. This is what Peter said to them. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? I'd just be like, there's one guy who had to stand up and say, like, because you healed a man? Like, that's why we're here. Why do you wonder at this? Listen to Peter's question. Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? You see that? A man was just healed and Peter is perceiving, you guys are looking at us like we did this. Like we did something. But listen to Peter in verse 13. You, you look at us like it was us, but here's what Peter, he goes straight, straight to the top. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God, guys, the God that brought you out of Egypt, the God who made you his people, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Peter said, Pilate was going to let Jesus go. And you guys said no. Think about that. Pilate was ready to release Jesus. Let's, let's be done with this. And the crowd said no. When he decided to release him. But you, verse 14, you denied the holy and righteous one and what did you ask for? You asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Listen to the beginning of verse 15. And you killed the author of life. Let the sentence sink in. You killed the author of life. You want to talk about missing it. They thought Peter healed this guy. Peter turns around and immediately invokes the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. No! Don't say me. This is of God. And they missed it. They killed the author of life. How much more upside down, upside down can you get than to kill Jesus who is the author of life? Friends, if nothing else, this ought to teach us not to trust our first judgment about everything is the final judgment. In today's society, you can't trust the news. We know you can't trust the news. You, you, every time you hear the news, you need to listen to a few news sources, do some background, listen for facts, not opinion. At the same time, our society is telling us you can trust yourself more than anyone. You can trust yourself more than anyone. I mean, just listening to this, friends, I would not trust us. I would not trust myself. I wouldn't trust my first thoughts about anything as the, the true final thought about reality. We should not minimize our capacity to miss the obvious because our hearts are hard. On our own, in our sin, our hearts are hard like Israel's coming out of Egypt, like the Gentiles in Romans 1, and like those who murdered the author of life. Do you think we're any different than any of these people? On our own, we're not. No one is. How do you know if you're missing it? How do you know? Well, today, if you hear something in the news, what do you do? You fact check it. You go back to the sources 
But see, that's what the miracles seem to mean to the apostles who are preaching about Jesus. The healing of this lame man, it's like an apostolic fact check. Don't just take our word for it. Don't just listen to our words and, and the report. That man just got up and walked. What does it mean? Look in verse 15 again. You guys, you killed the author of life. You could have let Jesus go. You didn't. You yelled, crucify him, crucify him instead. But look what Peter says. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. You killed the author of life God raised him from the dead. Now watch how Peter connects Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead to the lame man that started the story in the first place. Peter heals the lame man in that first section. They got the healing wrong. They're looking at Peter like, like he did something. Peter corrects them. This wasn't him. It was, it was God. Then Peter reminds them, they got Jesus wrong. You guys killed the author of life. That's how Jesus died. But watch the connection between the miracle in Jesus that the apostles intend for their audience and for us to know. Verse 15 and 16. You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. That's the apostolic office. We're witnessing about Jesus. We, we saw him rise from the dead. That's our testimony. We're witnesses of these things. We're not just giving you cleverly devised myths, as Peter says. We saw these things. We touched them. We heard them. Verse 16, here's Peter's connection. And by his name, Jesus, the one we saw rise from the dead, by his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all point is that this man's healing is through Jesus. It's a validation, and it is a ministry of Jesus himself. A validation of Christ and a ministry of Christ. Jesus is both the source of this man's healing, and he's the point of this man's healing. It's the point. It's why he was healed. The apostles are not starting a perpetual healing ministry, which is about healing for the sake of healing. They are witnessing about Jesus and the healing of the man as part of their witnessing ministry. Peter is saying, we saw Jesus from, rise from the dead. We saw him alive later. Thomas put his hands on his side in his hands. Was it true that Jesus rose from the dead? Is it true what you guys are saying? Peter is saying, yeah, did you see that guy? He just got up and walked. Yes. That's from Christ. This is of God. Our testimony that Jesus has risen from the dead is true. It's not Peter. It's, it's Jesus. And Peter's whole point is, you guys saw the miracle. Don't miss Jesus. You saw the miracle, but you're on the verge of missing Jesus. He killed the author of life. He really was crucified for our sins and was raised from the dead as reported. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob just fact-checked that Jesus is the Christ by this man being healed. And friends, let me encourage you to have great hope in God's grace. See how Peter explains it. 
have hope in God's grace by seeing that though you killed the author of life, God was actually putting forth His Son as a sacrifice for your sins. Don't miss that, is what Peter's saying. Don't miss that while you killed the author of life, God was actually putting forth His Son as the forgiveness of sins, His death and atonement for you. As much as we could miss it, how much greater can it be to realize that the worst miss, the, the worst swing and miss mankind's ever had to crucify Jesus Himself was also the means of God being gracious to you while you're doing that very thing. It's wonderful. It's hopeful. That the worst sin that we could offer God, He used for good. Look at what he says in verse 17. Now, brothers, I want you... Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. That's kind words. You acted in ignorance as did your rulers. But, but this is the hope and grace. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. That's the hope. You guys missed it. But even when you missed it, what was happening? God was fulfilling what He said that through the prophets He was going to do. Put Jesus forward to suffer for your sins. That's grace that you can hope in. While they were killing the author of life, Jesus Himself, God was laying down His Son just like He said He would in the prophets for the forgiveness of your sins. Of all of our sins. Look, go, go down to verse 22. That's his point. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Peter's point is, Jesus is the one Moses was talking about. Verse 24, And all the prophets who have spoken, all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel himself and to those who came after him, they also proclaimed these days. Peter is saying, you guys killed the author of life and that is a terrible miss. But at the same time, Moses and all the prophets and Samuel, they've been talking about these days to come for a long time. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant as Jews that God made with your fathers Abraham when he said, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You killed the author of life. Here is God's hope for you, his grace. God has been predicting these days since Moses and even as far back as Abraham. To the Jews in Jerusalem, Peter said, You made a mistake, you missed it, but God didn't miss it. God, this wasn't an accident. God predicted these days long ago. Even the covenant with Abraham was about these days. You killed the author of life, but God planned to bring his death forward as a sacrifice for your sins. The author of life was raised from the dead. That's exactly what we might expect to happen from the author of life. This is the hope that we are not lost forever in our worst of worst sins. At the cross of Jesus, man's ignorant, enraged rebellion against God and God's grace to see and save mankind from sin and death converge. 
at the cross of Jesus, man's ignorant, enraged rebellion against God and God's grace to see mankind saved from sin in death and death converge while man was killing Christ. Christ was saving man. This is our salvation and our hope that God would be so gracious. It can only be grace that saves the very people who are seeking to kill you. And that's what Jesus did. Father, I forgive them. They know not what they are doing, he said from the cross. Did you see what you are missing if you reject Jesus as God's Son? If you miss Jesus being God's Son, if you miss Him being put forward on the cross by God for the forgiveness of sins, if you you miss the fact that the author of life was killed, but He is the author of life after all, so He was brought up to raise from the dead, having fully paid for our sins. For the sins of all who would put their trust in Him. You miss the person in whom God displays His absolute mercy toward us. You kill the author of life. God raised Him from the dead. You planned His death. God was planning for your life. If you'll put your faith in Jesus today. Don't miss that's the point of the miracle. Don't miss that that's the point of the healing in chapter 3. This man was healed so you can know that his resurrection was true. The witness of the apostles that you can be forgiven of your sin is true. So hope in God's grace and repent. When you miss it, admit it. Just confess it. I totally missed the point of that movie. What was, what was that movie about? Oh, it was, you know, there was that guy, and then he, you don't know. You missed it. Just, just say it. What did you learn from the meeting yesterday? Well, there were these numbers, and, but you don't know. Just say you don't know. That's what repentance is, saying, I just confess, I missed it. I was ignorant. I didn't know. That's Peter's message to them in verse 19. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Not from, just from the temple itself in there, but from the presence of the Lord. And that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, that He would come again, whom, verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Come and repent right now. God has brought Christ into heaven. He must go there until the time when when all things are restored, when all healings are given, when all resurrection is given to those who are in Christ. This is the time, however, to repent. He says in verse 26, God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you guys first, and and you killed Him. The whole point was to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's the whole point. The whole point of Jesus' coming was to turn you from wickedness, to bring you to confession and forgiveness of your sins before God. You're lying, you're you're thieving, your your anger, your your bitterness, your self-righteousness, and your pride. And come have those things blotted out. Now that's better than two legs getting up and walking. Have your sins forgiven. I've mentioned it before, Christian Hitch, Christopher Hitchens 
a now past well-known atheist, just couldn't understand why there would be any lame people in the world if God could heal lameness like this man. But don't we see what's going on here? Don't we see what's better? Having your sins blotted out is infinitely better than getting up and walking. When we get God wrong, we, we never find out that God is worse than we thought. Only better. If we miss anything about God, if we get Him wrong at all, and we come back to repent and see Him as better, we only ever get better in our doctrine and our theology and our affections toward God. We never have high expectations and we find out, well, come to find out, God's, let's bring our expectations down. Now we've always miss Him and shoot low. So it is with the lame man. It's not about being lame and about being healed from your legs. It is about that to a degree. But it is a pointing sign toward the forgiveness of sins. It's not about being lame and walking. It's about being forgiven. It's about being a sinner and being forgiven. If you have door A where you can get healed of all your physical ailments and you have door B where you can have forgiveness of all of your sins, which door would you take? God has said time and time again, the wages for sin is death. Which door would be more important to us? The door that would actually save us from death itself because of our sin. So see, the man was healed through faith in Christ and come to that which is infinitely better. Repent from missing Jesus. Trust Christ today for forgiveness of sins. None of us can come to Christ without admitting that we were wrong, that we've sinned against God, that we were wrong about Jesus, that we might have been ignorant about Him. But that's the heart of repentance. I missed it, but now, now I see it. Now, as John read this morning in Corinthians, now the light has been shown. I can see. This man was healed so that you might know your sins can be given for, through Jesus who was raised from the dead. My grandmother must have been looking back through some of her old journals. On September 3rd, 2008, she predicted Sarah Palin would be the vice president. She came back in her journal on February 11, 2010. And the beginning of that entry was, was I ever wrong about that? Of course, Joe Biden was vice president that year. And Joe Biden, not Sarah Palin, went on to be president. Friends, might today be the day that you just write it down in your own heart. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about Jesus. I was wrong about the miracles and what they mean. It's the same shape as the message from the kingdom of God in Mark 2. A lame man is lowered down to the roof right in front of Jesus. They tear a hole and put this lame man that can't walk right in front of Jesus. And what's the first words out of Jesus' mouth to the, to the man who can't walk? Clearly they've lowered this man down so that he can walk again. And the words out of Jesus' mouth are, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What? The Pharisees lose it. You can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. You can't just run around forgiving sins willy-nilly. We, we've got to go to the temple and take lambs and pigeons and there's a priest and there's all kinds of things you have to do before you can be forgiven of sins. You can't just forgive sins. And then what does Jesus do? So that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins, let me show you. And he says to the man, get up and walk. What does it mean? That we're all going to get healed today? That we're all going to regenerate our bodies and our limbs back? No. Not yet. It means that when Jesus says, believe in me when I die on the cross and raise from the dead, your sins will be forgiven, that you can trust me. 
I will forgive your sin. Your sins will be forgiven. Be very thankful. Be very thankful if you've come to know Jesus Christ as we've read passages like Acts 3 and we see how they absolutely missed it. We ought to be the most humble people on the earth. We would have missed it. I was in, we've been singing it all morning. There I was in the dark, on the road to hell, all by myself, doing my own thing. And if God hadn't shown His light into my life, I would have never known about Jesus. Be thankful. Be the most thankful people that you know. If not for God's kind help to open our eyes, cause us to be born again, we would not be any different than the Israelites or Romans 1. Remember when you share the gospel. Remember the gospel is the forgiveness of sins. Nothing is greater than the forgiveness of sins and being welcomed back into the presence of God. Treasure that above all else. Preach that above everything else. If you miss the forgiveness of sins, you miss Jesus, you miss the whole point of the whole Bible. Bring that up when you talk to other people. Bring that up. There are many, many things that the Bible talks about and applies to. The center of it all is Jesus on the cross for our sins. And just, just see, just see to finish here, that you get both when you walk through door B. Remember that option? You go through door A, you can have healing. You go through door B, you get forgiveness. Well, biblically, I hope some of you might have been catching on. That's a false dichotomy. It really isn't one or the other. It's both or neither. It's both or neither. There's just one door to walk through. And it's Christ. There's just one door to walk through, and it's Jesus Himself. If you miss the forgiveness of sins... You miss Jesus dying on, the be- on behalf of, of us to blot out our sins. You will be healed. Everyone who trusts in Christ. Just as death in our bodies is the result of sin, so forgiveness of sin will lead to new life. Did you catch that what Peter said about Jesus? Verse 21, Christ whom heaven must receive, speaking of His ascension, until the time, until the time, He's gone until the time, when all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago, when all the restoring of all the things comes, the time for the bodies and the whole world to be renewed, that is coming closer every day. It begins with the forgiveness of sins, sins being forgiven now, here, today, through faith in Christ. That's what we really need in heaven. The new heavens and the new earth are promised by Isaiah, for example. You can go read Isaiah 60 through 66 this afternoon. And see how Peter wrote later about God making everything new. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13. Here's Peter looking forward to the day when God is going to do what he said in Acts 3, which is restore all things the prophets have been speaking about. Peter says it like this later in 2 Peter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it shall be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since heaven, this earth, and these bodies are going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought to, to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting and hastening for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But 
according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth. That includes new resurrected bodies. Waiting for new heavens and new earth. New teeth, new eyes, new legs. New heavens, new earth. And how does Peter describe it? In which righteousness dwells. In the new heaven and new earth, the greatest thing that we can look forward to is not just legs, but we can use to run and jump and praise God, but righteousness will dwell there without a hindrance. Sins will have been blotted out. We will have been glorified and sanctified fully. Isn't that what our entertainment fantasizes about these days? Another world. Maybe they don't even fantasize about it. Some are financially investing in populating planets like Mars. How many televisions or shows or books and movies have you seen or read in the past 10 years? I just went and saw one in the last 10 days where we are led to be entertained by fantasizing about other worlds being created and populated. I mean, you can just name movies in the last 20, 30 years. Worlds where people live longer and they heal faster. Worlds where technology offers superhuman healing abilities. I'm not going to try to give away too much of the plot, but what I'm talking about is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. If you're wondering. The creation of another world is at the center. Trying to figure out a way to rid the world of sin. Of anger and division and meanness and cruelty. Trying to get rid of that by use of technology. But you can't. The film would agree with God's word. You can't do it like that. People are sinners no matter what planet you're on. But see where it is that God is dealing with the real problem of the world. First, in order that the new creation and new earth that He's bringing about would actually be a place you want to go. A place where righteousness dwells. Where sins are blotted out. Yours and the people who sinned against you. The forgiveness of sins comes now in trusting Christ. Days are coming later when earth and all creation will be renewed just like that lame man was healed. It will all be healed. It will all be renewed. See that lame man now walking? That means Christ can forgive sins. And He's going to make everything new. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss Christ. See how even the lame man almost missed it. Peter and John walking by. They have the news about Jesus. They have the message of kingdom. They have the message of Jesus rising from the grave. The first fruits. He's, he's the new creation walking around. Healing is available. And the man, the beggar, asks them for alms. But isn't it God's kindness that despite the fact that we miss Him, and we're just asking for spare change in Christ. He offers us forgiveness of sins in new heaven and earth where righteousness dwells. Let's pray. Father, we just confess that we don't, we don't always long for the new heavens and new earth that you have in mind.
We long to, we respond to pain by longing for not feeling pain anymore and longing to be healed of our bodies and even loving the healings that we see, but sometimes we just miss it. We miss that it's of you. We miss that it's pointing to Christ. We pray today that you would help us not miss it. That any who are here would leave today having settled in their hearts and their minds that they put their trust in Christ. They believe that he was crucified for our sin and risen from the dead. And that by him and faith in him, many miracles were done as proof. We pray that someone leave here today for the first time having that anchored hope that our worst sin meets your greatest grace. Father, those of us who have been walking with the Lord for some time, we pray that you would help us be encouraged. Help us remember that as we go to speak to people, there are many things to talk about, all kinds of pains and sufferings and heartaches, all kinds of questions about existence. But the heart of all you've done in the world is your Son, crucified on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Help us remember that when we go talk to people this week. Help us try to get there. Help that be in the forefront of our memory about what we love and what we hope in in you. And by that, Father, some others in the world around us might continue to come to life, to be saved, to be forgiven. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your Son. May your name be glorified in our church, in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.